we need to remember her, Miss Charlotte. <clears throat> but I mean, I was saying, Charlotte said earlier she needed unspoken prayer. She had unspoken prayer. So remember, lift her up in prayer. I don't know what it was. She said they was all okay, though. So it's something else. But let's lift them up in prayer tonight. Miss Charlotte, she's still not feeling 100%. <clears throat> remember to pray for Phyllis. Who else we got? I know Donnie and them. I talked to Donnie last night. He said that uh, that uh, Jack was the only one still sick, but his mama had just caught it. So hopefully they don't pass it back around again. Y'all pray. He said hopefully we'll be there Sunday. So he was Scott. Yeah, Scott, and he fell. And he's black and blue. So pray for him. Anything else? Anybody else? Yes. Yeah. 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 Pray for her and pray for her daughter as well because her mama's all she's got. And yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I know it's Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Anything else? Anybody else? I'm sure I got somebody I need to be praying for, but I can't think who they are off the top of my head. But God knows who they are. You know, that's the thing. And when we can't remember, we don't need to get too anxious about it, too much angst about it, because God knows. God knows who's on been on our heart. If we just sometimes we don't remember who to pray for, that's why the Spirit of God He makes intercessions for. Sometimes we don't even know what to say. That's because we don't remember. <laughs> but He knows what's on our heart. Amen. So if, if nothing else, let's go to the Lord tonight in prayer and let's ask God to. To bless us and, and be with the ones who couldn't be with us tonight. God bless us. Appreciate everybody's prayer. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Oh. 
seem that go away. I will not flee, since God through Jordan leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Amen. Number 48. The blood that stained the old rugged cross. You know that one, sister? Okay. All right. Well, I'm supposed to know it too, so we'll we'll see we make it through. There you go. On the cross of Calvary, the blessed Savior died, gave His life to save the world from loss. In His pain and agony, for every sin to hide, shed His blood that stained the old rugged cross. Was His blood His precious blood that stained the old rugged cross? Was His love that paid the awful cost? Old souls so far astray, come and plunge today. In the blood that stained the old rugged cross. To the cross, the rugged cross, they nailed his precious hand. And in death he fully paid the cost. And the world once lost in sin can now be wholly free. By the blood that stained the old rugged cross. Was his blood, his precious blood, that stained the old rugged cross. Was his love that paid the awful cost. Old souls so far astray, come and plunge today. In the blood that stained the old rugged Amen. Still got power to save the worst of us. Amen. Hallelujah. Good to be in church with you tonight. Take your Bible, turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We'll see if we can cover some ground in chapter 11 tonight. Proverbs. I don't know how far we'll get down through here, but we're going to pick up in verse 15, and uh, and we're going to, well, we went 14 verses last week, so we're going to see how many we can go this week. We don't know. I don't know how many we'll, we'll run through. We'll go until we find a stopping place. How about that? That work for y'all? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Let's ask God to meet with us and bless the reading of the word. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for, Lord, the, the word we're about to study, Lord, here in Proverbs chapter 11. And, Lord, we ask you, please, to feed us, Lord, from these scriptures. Feed us spiritually. Lord, give us tools for our toolbox of life, Lord. Help us, Father, to, uh, to uh, apply wisdom to our heart. 
Lord, may we hide it and keep it, Father, for that day when we need it, for that day of trouble and that day of trial, for that day when we find somebody else in their trials and they need it. Father, help us to to claim these, these nuggets of wisdom for our own, Father, that we might not have such a difficult time in life. Father, we pray that your, your spirit would guide us and help us with our understanding. Father, we pray for those who listen in to our services. Lord, well, God, we pray that you would help them. Father, we know that we're in, we're in the book, that Lord, that gives us so many answers. Lord, there's so many problems that we face right now today in our modern world. And, Lord, if we'll just listen to what you have to say, we'll be successful. We'll have, we'll have the best life we could possibly have if we'll listen to what you have to say. Help us tonight. Father, forgive our sins. Cleanse us, Lord. Make us where we're able to hear from your spirit tonight. Speak to our hearts, Lord, and we'll thank you ahead of time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. You know, I'll always emphasize that we need to get our hearts right before we hear the word of God. If there's anything between us and God, we need to confess it right then and there and say, Lord, I want to hear from you tonight. And it's just like, you know, if you're mad at your mama, you know, and, and, and she, you wouldn't want to come in the kitchen where she's at and spend time with her because you're mad at her, right? You got something between you and her. You say, I ain't going in there with her. She'll fuss at me. I don't go in there. That's the way we feel getting around God when we ain't right with him. And God ain't never mad. God ain't never do us wrong that we're mad at him. It's always that that we've done something wrong, and we know he ain't happy with us. So, so we need to we need to get it right before we come to him. And that way, we'll be sure to hear from him. But anyway, let's get into the word tonight. Proverbs eleven, verse fifteen, and we'll we'll like I say we'll go as far as thirty one verses. But we'll go as far as the Lord allows us to go tonight. But beginning in verse fifteen, and this is a familiar verse because we covered this several chapters back. I can't remember how many back. I want to say it was maybe back in verse chapter five. Maybe not, but I let's see if I can see where that was. I, oh, it's chapter six. Chapter six, where we're talking about being surety, being surety. And remember, surety means loaning somebody money, helping somebody out. The Bible says, "He that is surety for a stranger, shall smart for it. He that hateth suretyship is sure. He that is surety for a stranger." Feel smart for it. If you promise to pay the debts of a stranger, somebody you don't know very well, boy, you have you ain't really thinking very hard. That's that. that let me just put it down down where the rubber meets the road. You need to get the cobwebs out your head, because because you're making a very foolish decision to make yourself indebted to somebody you don't know for somebody you don't know very well. Uh, you know, and I and I'm gonna say this. And, and hear me well when I say this. I'm not talk, talking to you. I'm talking to everybody else that's listening in tonight. <clears throat> you may feel obligated because somebody giving you some outside pressure, maybe even somebody somebody saying, well, you know, it's the Christ-like thing to do to help this person out, and, you know, it's the Christian thing to do. We ought to, we, you know, we're supposed to love our neighbor, and when that's, that's just, you should help them. That's the Christian. Listen. God says it's foolish. If God tells me something is, God says if you do that, you're going to end up hurting yourself, then I need to listen to God and not somebody who's trying to pressure me into what they think God wants me to do, okay? And I say that because I, I, I have seen this happen 
where somebody will guilt somebody into helping somebody because, you you know, that's what Jesus would want you to do. They're not really thinking this through. They're not basing it on what the Word of God says. And I'm not saying we should never help anybody either. But God's clear. When you don't know where your money's going, don't put it there. Don't put it there. You might as well just put it in a trash can or, or set it on fire because that's that's basically what you're doing. It, it's never a surprise when somebody suffers because they bound themselves with a foolish promise. I mean, you know, again, well, we didn't know what we were getting into. No, you didn't. You shouldn't have got yourself into it. That's the thing. But the Bible says he that hated suretyship is sure. So God said, it's, you know, if you hate helping, if you hate loaning money, God says that's a good thing. You know, loaning money is a bad idea to begin with. You know why, don't you? Because when you loan money to somebody, you, you might as well forget that friendship. It's pretty much over at that point because money separates people. And when you loan money to somebody, then they go, like, oh, i got I got to pay them back, and they're going to be mad at me if I don't pay them back in time. And you're like, well, they're going to pay me back. And, and so then there's tension in the relationship, and it can destroy friendships. And so it's... You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna help somebody out, you just you're better off just to give it to them and not expect it back. That's the best thing to do. You just gift it to them and go on. And God will bless you if you did the right thing, Amen. But loaning money that that that's not a good thing. God is not about loaning the money. Uh, you know, again, he's not he's not about interest. God's not about cheating people and taking advantage of people and. And oftentimes in loan situations, it can turn into that. So anyway, let's let's keep on going. Verse 16. Verse 16. All right. A gracious woman retaineth honor, and strong men retain riches. This is a, compar- a comparison verse instead of contrast. Where t- this is comparative. And... First of all, a gracious woman retaineth honor. The mark of a, of a gracious woman is that she carries herself with dignity. She has honor about herself. She's not, uh, I mean, again, in Hebrew, the word for gracious, it, it, it means a woman of grace and favor. Uh, for example, one who by her meekness, so she exhibits meekness, and modesty and prudence and other virtues renders herself acceptable and amiable to God and to men. In other words, God's in, God is uh, pouring out his favor on her, and everybody that knows her says what a wonderful woman she is. Why? Because she is full of grace. She's full of the grace of God, and, and she, she, she has a... Uh, she ha- she has a loyalty to God first and foremost. And because of that loyalty to God, everybody else will be blessed by her presence. The Bible, uh, and again, it's a comparative verse because the second half of it says, and strong men retain riches. Um, Character is important to the gracious woman, that she has maintains good character. And you all know what character is. That's, That's what you do when nobody's watching. Character is who you are when ain't nobody else around. And the gracious woman, again, that she maintains her character at all times is important to her, and her honor is important to her. But, again, we're talking, we're we're comparing that to what the Bible says, strong men retain riches. This strong, that word strong there, it doesn't just mean 
financially savvy men who, who are good at business, it gives us the idea of a ruthless man, uh, kind of a ruthless miser who, you know, he, he ain't going to let a penny get out from underneath him. And all he cares about is his riches because his wealth is his God. So he's really focused on, on making sure that nothing slips out of his hands, right? He don't want to lose a penny, right? Well, that gracious woman, God is using that picture to show how a gracious woman, she doesn't want any of her graciousness to slip away from her. She doesn't want to lose any of the honor that she has. Why? Because he, her relationship with God has put her in a good position testimony-wise before him and the world, and she don't want to do a thing to tarnish that. And she hangs on to it like a, like a miser hangs on to his money. Again, I'll just read you this. G. Campbell Morgan said, The method of this proverb is a comparison rather than contrast. The idea being that a gracious woman will defend her honor with the same strength and perseverance as strong men will retain riches. He said the word strong here suggests power and tyranny rather than good. So a ruthless man who says, Ain't nobody going to get none of my money. That's the way a woman is, a godly woman is supposed to be with, with her godliness. Verse 17, verse 17, the merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul. The person, again, the merciful man, that's somebody who shows mercy to people. That's somebody who, again, always gives somebody a second chance, always you know, looks looks and sees somebody says, hey, you know what, it, it was rough on me. I know how things are. I understand. I, I, they're full of understanding. They're a merciful man. And that person who shows mercy to others and is kind like that to others, you know what, what happens? You know, the Bible says a man that has friends must show himself friendly. Well, a man who shows mercy, guess what? He's going to receive mercy back. What you get out is what you're going to give. If you're a person that loves people, guess what people are going to do? They're going to love you. If you person that waves at everybody, they're going to wave at you. If you smile at everybody, you're going to get smiles back. But if you're merciful to people and kind and loving and helpful and all those things that God wants us to be, then we're going to get that back. It's good for our soul. You know, some people say, well, if I, if I was that way, everybody, people just run over me. No, they won't. They say, maybe somebody might, but you know what? You'll get that anyway. It, it pays. It pays. It's rewarding to 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 mimic the characteristics of our Savior, and you know, to 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 ask God to help us to be those things. And if God, if Christ was anything, He's merciful, Amen. And if we're to be Christ-like, then we need to be merciful. Y'all know what the golden rule is, right? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Or our Jesus said in Matthew seven twelve, He said, "Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law." And the prophets. So, in other words, this is really the golden rule. God's just saying, hey, if you want mercy, then show some mercy. If you want love, show love. If you want uh, help, show help. Whatever you whatever you seek in this life, you need to be showing it. Second Samuel twenty two, twenty six. The Bible says, "With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful, and with the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright." In other words, God, again, God will give you back what you're giving out. God will bless you with what, you, what you're giving out. Uh, the merciful man uh, said the kindness spoken of is steadfast love. 
that kind of, that's that's what we're talking about giving out uh something that's constant something that's uh, uh continuous in a person not up and down and fluctuating we're talking about the attitude of a person who 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 loves the lord and that relationship is is strong and, and evident he can't help but flow out of you he can't help but flow from you and and again the closer you get to god the more you're going to reflect his nature and so again, that's where that mercy you can't you can't generate mercy. You can say, Well, I'm gonna get up there and I'm gonna be merciful today. No, you can't do that without God. You make a mess. You'll be a, you'll be the most bitter person by the end of the day. You try to do it yourself. But uh anyway, but the second half of that verse the first part says the merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but the second half says, But he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. The one that's unmerciful and cruel to others is going to find out that, you know what, it causes trouble to his own self. You know, you know I, again, a person can't be happy with himself if he's hateful to other people. I'm, I'm telling you, people like that, people people just gripe, 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 gripe all day long. All they do is gripe, complain, and gripe. Those are unhappy people. And they're, I mean, they're so unhappy, and they're letting you know they're ha- unhappy. Again, whatever's inside of you is going to come out. You can't, you can't hide it. You can't disguise it. And if what you've got down inside of you is bitterness and, and hatred or ugliness or just, just discontentment, it's going to come rolling out of you. And it's going to cause, your, cause you problems in your life because you're speaking trouble over your own life when you're saying all these cursing things and gripes constantly. You're speaking trouble into your own life. Matthew 7, 2, Jesus said, For what, with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And again, with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Again, so if you spend all your life, everybody, guess what? You're going to get right back at you. That's what Jesus is saying right there. You, you cut, you go around cussing everybody, somebody's going to cuss you. You go around being rough with people, somebody's going to be rough with you. You're going to get what you put out. Anyway, I don't said that enough. Let's keep going. <clears throat> but the word the word trouble here, he that is cruel troubleth its own flesh. We covered that in Sunday school two weeks ago. You remember Achan when they when they sacked Jericho and God said, Don't take nothing? And Achan went there and he said, I saw a Babylonian garment that was beautiful. I wanted it and I found a little little gold and some wedges of gold and I and I put all that stuff and hid it in my under my tent. And he didn't figure it would hurt nobody. What did it do? Ended up costing 36 men their lives on the battlefield when God promised them victory. And here they are. They mess up, and, 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 and it hurts the whole nation. Cost Achan his life. Cost his family their lives. Cost his, I mean, his wife, his children, everybody. Everything he owned was destroyed. And a big heap of stones piled over the top of it. <clears throat> he that's cruel troubles his own flesh. And again, Going in, he's like it was going to be no big deal. Nobody find out. Again, we don't ever we don't ever imagine the end in the beginning. We always imagine everything's going to be fine. But the truth is, God when God says something, He means it. And when God tells you it's going to happen, you mark it down because it's going to happen the way He said it's going to happen. <clears throat> Verse eighteen, the Bible says, "The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth." righteousness shall be a sure reward so the wicked the wicked is, is, is trying to deceive 
and him that worketh right, he and the other person, the one we're contrasting, is a person that's sowing righteousness and not just living a good life. They're actually trying to grow something or cultivate something in their life. That word sowing ain't talking about thread, needle and thread. We're talking about seeds and earth. And so we need to take a look at this for a second here. The one, uh, he that's cruel troubles is, oh, okay, we're different verse. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the top of the page. Uh, the wicked work of the deceitful work. So when somebody when somebody uses deception or uses uses dishonesty, somebody lies to you, somebody does something that's shady, that's evidence that there's wickedness in their life. Right? The, I mean God says the wicked worketh a deceitful work. If if a person's wicked, they don't have goodness coming out of their life. That's just that's pretty much that's elementary, ain't it? But, again, what's in you is coming out. I'd already said it, but I'm saying it again. The wise and honest person knows that work has to be done in an honest way. It has to be done with integrity. Him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. Um, like I said, those who, those who do their work and they do it the right way, they do it the way God would want them to do it, you know, with honesty and integrity. And like the Bible says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it as unto the Lord, not unto men, uh, not as men pleasers with eye service. God God says there's a right way to do things. There's a right way to help somebody. There's a right way to serve somebody. There's a right way to work for somebody. There's a right way to do things so that people look at you and say, hey, that person's got a good testimony. That person has such good character and behavior. There's something about that person. That's your testimony. That's that's what gives you, that's what gives you an inroad to witness to somebody. Uh, somebody who's a, who's a louse who won't ever do anything right and always try to cheat somebody, let them try to open their mouth and witness somebody. They ain't going to hear a word they got to say. They tell them, hush, you a, you a, you a heathen. Why would I listen to you? Right? But but God is talking about somebody here who does things right, and they've got that testimony. They've got that reputation. All right? I mean, they, they're doing things right. They, they, there's, the Bible says that there will be a sure reward. It won't necessarily be down here. You can't you can't you can't serve God for a while and then say, well, where's all my reward at? I ain't gonna keep doing this so I ain't gonna get no reward. I you know I've been to church with people like that before. I, I used to I used to pastor some people like that. I'm not calling no names, but I remember I remember a man coming up to the pulpit one Sunday and he said to me, he said, You know, Brother Brandon, he said, We've been serving God and doing everything just right and and God just ain't blessing us and I just don't understand that. And they quit coming to church and gave up on God. Because they weren't seeing all the blessings that they thought they were going to see. And, and the key to it was, we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing. That's what I was told. I'm never doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know about you. I can't cross all the T's and dot all them I's and check all them boxes because I've still got a sin nature and I fall short. But the Bible does say the person who sows righteousness, who works in righteousness, and does it right, does it for the right reasons, again, with honesty, doing it because they love God, not trying to take advantage of people or get an advantage over somebody, but doing it with integrity, God's going to bless them. God's going to, you know, God may not make them rich. God may not give them all kinds of wonderful things. and, and But you know what? God is going to bless them. He may bless them with friendships. He may bless them, you know, with good health. He may bless them with allowing them to seek 
all kinds of people get saved in their ministry. God may God may bless them in a myriad of ways, and it may not be the way the world looks at it and says, "Oh, they're very they're being blessed." But you know, God give you things this world can't give you. God will give you a satisfaction this world can't give you if you had millions of dollars. <clears throat> but your reward, again, you're not trying to build it down here. Your reward will be there to meet you. That sure reward that God talks about, it'll be there to meet you. But the Bible says the righteous work, him that soweth righteousness, it's like a good seed that's been sown. And and you and I both know, if you've planted anything in a garden, you sow one seed, you get a bunch more seed, right? You sow one, one grain of corn, and you can get a corn stalk, maybe get two ears on it, and there's going to be a lot of ear. There's going to be a lot of kernels on there. You can make. You can plant a whole bunch of corn off of one one kernel. You know that God's talking about a sowing righteousness. When we again, when we when we take the time and we work the soil in somebody's life by speaking to them about the Lord, asking them how they're doing, letting them know you're praying for them, being kind to them, investing in them. You know what? You're cultivating, you're breaking that ground up, and then you plant the seed of the gospel in there, and you come back and you talk to them about it again. You water it, you're praying for them. Guess what? Eventually, that thing's going to take root, and you're going to see some fruit. You keep doing that, and I, I can tell you right now, it, you know, the Bible says, He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Again, if I go out and plant a hundred grains of corn, I'm gonna, I might get I might get a hundred stalks of corn. But if I go out and say, you know, I'm going to put four or five in ground, I'll see what comes up. I won't get but four or five. I've got to put more out there if I want to see really blessing in my life. If I really want to be blessed, so uh, God says, sow righteousness because there's a sure reward. You're going to be blessed. You, you know, I heard somebody who was it, Shaquille O'Neal basketball player years ago he said you know you miss every you miss you miss every free throw you don't shoot or you you miss every shot you don't take that's what he said you miss every shot you don't take well i've only got one christian life and you've only got one christian life and we've only got this time down here right now to serve god we've only have these years these days right now to invest and put reward up in heaven and if we fail to do that when we get up there we're going to find out there ain't very much reward i thought there was up here going to be shocked. I thought there was more. <laughs> I really did. I thought there was going to be more. But there won't be no going back and fixing it. You'll live with your tally forever, for eternity. Never be another chance to, 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 to do any more for Jesus. That's the thing we need to realize. We're not doing this for us. We're not trying to have a bigger mansion than somebody else in glory. We're not trying to get more credit up there than anybody else. It's when we get there, we're going to have a big rallying party to put together all our stuff and lay it at Jesus' feet. And if you and I don't have much, oh, it's going to smart. It's going to hurt. It's going to grieve us like we've never been grieved. It's going to turn us wrong side out and break us into a million pieces. And we're going to feel right then and there all the... Oh my goodness! I should have been busy. There won't be nobody. There won't be no way to change it. Right now is the only time we can do anything about it. Right now, and and it's it's very important that we sow righteousness because we'll meet it if we do. We'll meet the harvest up there. Um, verse nineteen. 
as righteousness tendeth to life. So he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. Well, first of all, righteousness tendeth to life. That's just a fact. I mean, that's just as, that's, that, that, you know, Solomon could have just as well said, the sun rises in the east. I mean, you know, because it's a fact. And if you, and if, and if you, if you, uh, you, again, you sow righteousness, again, it, it tendeth to life. It tends to help you to live longer. The person who's living righteously, who wants to serve God, God has a, more of a reason to let that person live longer than the person who wants to curse his name every day. It tendeth to life. That's what God's saying there. The path of, the, the path of righteousness is a path of life. There's seven verses in the Bible that tell the same truth, and five of them are in the Proverbs. The other two, one's in Acts and one somewhere else. I can't remember. But five of them are in Proverbs, teaching us this over and over and over and over and over again, that if we want to have a good life, if we want to enjoy life, and if we want to live a long life, we are best off investing ourselves in the righteousness of God. That's the only sure way. And again, if God's through with you, God will take you home when he's ready. But it's the only way to 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 incline ourselves to living a good full life is to live righteously. But the Bible says, he who pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. We're talking about, again, the opposite. Not the person who's seeking after righteousness and chasing after God and, and longing to be like him. We're talking about the person who loves evil and longs for evil and chases after evil and spends their time thinking about evil. Because the way of evil is also a path, and there's a lot of people on that path. I mean, it's a crowded path. These people elbowing each other off the path. There's so many of them on it trying to go down that path. And, and, and it leads to death. That's at the end. There's no fooling around about that. That's where that's that's the end of the road. And and many people they they sacrifice a, a lot in their pursuit of evil. I mean, they give up a lot of things and, and waste all their life and waste up all their time and, and, and chasing after evil. And then they get to the end of their 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 their, their way. And the Holy Father, all there is is death and destruction. There's nothing there. All the material things they gain are gone. And all they're left with is a wretched soul that will never see God. He who pursueth evil, he follows it hurriedly, runs after it, as if he's missing something wonderful without it. Ephesians 4.19 talks about these folks. Listen to what it says about them. It's a powerful verse. It says, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. Let me stop right there for just a second. Y'all y'all know what leprosy is, right? Leprosy is, leprosy, of course, is the disease that causes your, your skin to, to rot and fall off. Your, your appendages, they rot. They get, you get cut or you get a scratch or scrape. Can't really feel it. You, you, it causes your causes the nerves. It's a, it's a disease of the nerves is what it actually is because it causes your nerves to go numb so you can't feel it if you get hurt and then you get infected and then the infection spreads through your body, but you don't know you're even hurt until you're hurt until, you're, until you're, you see it because you can't feel it. So, again, it's, it's a deadening disease, and it, it makes you dead where you can't feel on the outside. You know, that's kind of the way it is to a person who doesn't know God. 
They're dead. They're numb to God. They, they can't. They don't. They don't know Him. They don't know. They don't want to know Him. They're, they're completely alienated. They're enemies of God, and they're numb to it. And God says here in Ephesians four nineteen, who being past feeling, they're numb. They can't feel God. Have given themselves over to lasciviousness. That's wicked, hellish, abominable sin. To work all uncleanness. That's that's the perverted sex trafficking mess that we read about and hear about. All that stuff, all the all the raping and the incest and the murders and all that filth that goes on in this world. All the all the sex crimes, all that stuff. That that's what we're we're talking about here. They they've gotten to the point where they don't even feel nothing. They can. I was I was watching something earlier today. There was a guy uh, story of a, a man. It was back in the eighties. A man. He had a church. He had a puppet ministry. But yet he he was in in his private time he was he was thinking about cannibalizing children. That's a horrible thought. This man was working in a church and preaching and teaching the word of God to children. I'm gonna tell you right now that day was he was an imposter. He was a phony. But you know what? There there are people there are people in every walk of life that you may look at, and unless you really know them, you don't know what they're about. And there are people out there that are like that, that pursue evil and do it in a private life. And you never know it's there. But he says they, 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 they work all uncleanness with greediness. With greediness. This man got on the Internet and he had a friend in Florida and they were talking back and forth about things they'd like to do. Horrible things. He said, how did that man? Because once upon a time that man was in church probably... Uh, and wasn't thinking like this, but some started that thinking, and it just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So he found himself talking to law enforcement about the things that he was typing on the internet. I didn't watch the end of it. I saw that much. I got off of there. I got disgusted by the whole thing. But you see, he didn't start out pursuing that. I guarantee you that that guy didn't start out that way. But he. He got to the point where his sin got him numb, where he couldn't feel, and then it just got worse and worse. And you've heard people say sin is a slippery slope. It'll take you further than you meant to go, keep you longer than you meant to stay, and cost you more than you meant to pay. And that's what that's what God's saying here. Listen, the one who goes after evil, they pursue it. They they, they forgot they forgot any goodness that was back yonder, and now they're they've got their 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 ears pinned back like a dog chasing a car. Seeking after that evil. The Bible says um, in 1 Timothy 4 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot eye. In other words, that type of person, they don't bother them to lie to you. They'll lie, look you right square in the eyes and tell you a lie. They'll, they'll, they'll cheat you and think nothing of it and smile while they do it. Their conscience is seared with a hot iron. Again, they have completely rejected God and rejected righteousness. And so, again, the Spirit of God, they, they, they have rejected and rejected and rejected to the point where they don't even hear him anymore. <clears throat> Verse 20. We'll do two more and we'll call it tonight. They that are of a froward heart are abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are his delight. They that are of a froward heart. Let's remember what froward means. It means perverted, perverse, a disgusting, perverted heart. The Bible says they that are of a disgusting, perverted, froward heart 
or an abomination to the Lord, which means it makes God want to puke, really. It makes God sick. God wants to spew him out or them out. He, 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 again, it makes him sick. And, you know, again, there's, there's a sense in which we're victims of sin. You know, we, we fell into it or we didn't mean to. But there's another and a greater and a greater sense in which we're willing participants and perpetrators of sin. And God is right to regard the perverse heart of a man as an abomination before him. It's one thing to I didn't mean to do that. It's another thing to hmm, I can't wait to do that. And that's what we're speaking of. We're speaking of the one that says, Boy, I can't wait to do that. That's a per, that's a perverted person. Who, who loves sin, who wants to spend their time thinking about sin and talking about sin and trying to get into sin. And God says, God says, again, makes him sick, but he says the upright in their way are his delight. You know, isn't that something? We, we can cause God to be delighted. You ever thought about that? You ever thought you, you, you caused God to be delighted? Have you ever felt like that? Probably not. <laughs> Probably never thought about it. But it's right there in the Word of God. The upright in their way are his delight. So that means when 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 we're right with him, when our sins are confessed and, and we're 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 walking before him in in the light of the Lord, we're his delight. He looks down at us just like just like when you when your child when your child is doing good, you know? Well, they, they've reached some kind of accomplishment that they didn't know they could do. And you look at them, you smile from ear to ear. I'm so proud of y'all. I'm so proud of you. You're doing so good. So, look, you, you just did so well. I mean, you're just you're just full of, I hate to use the word pride, but there's not another word that I know to use that sums up what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean. I don't mean pride in an ugly way. But we're full of we're full of gratefulness, I guess is the best way to put it. We're full of gratefulness. We're full of joy. We're, 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 we're just thankful that what we taught them, they got it. And, and we're, you know, and and I think when God looks down at us, he sees us. And we got it. We understood him. We love him. We want to do things his way. We're, 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 we're seeking him. We're, we're, we know we can't do it without him, so we're trusting him. We're leaning on him. And that pleases God, and that causes him to be delighted in us too. But... I'm looking at this really from a New Testament perspective, even though we're reading this in the Old Testament, because the blameless in their ways, or the upright in their way, either way you want to say it, those are the people that have been forgiven. That's the only way we can be blameless. That's the only way we can be upright. We have to be forgiven. We have to be declared righteous because of the person and work of Jesus Christ and what he's done in our life. So those who've been saved, who've been forgiven, who've been washed, who've been declared righteous, and have the righteousness of Christ applied to them, the imputed righteousness of Christ, those are the ones that are his delight. And again, God delights in me and you, not because we're special and better than somebody else, no, because he looks down and he sees his son. That's why when God looks at me and God looks at you, he sees his son. Because we've been washed in the Son's blood. We've been made righteous in His righteous, righteousness. So when God looks down, He don't see our righteousness. He sees the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ. And that's why He delights in us. 
Verse 20, it, it, it hints at the transformation that the new covenant in Christ promised. Again, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Yeah, we're not what we used to be. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Again, we're made into something that God delights in. And this proverb is calling for a total transformation in us, a total transformation that, that what happens when we get saved. Our affections, our affections have changed from being affectionate toward this world and the things of this world to being, to, they correspond now with God's affection toward us. We didn't know how to love God before, but since Christ has come in and since we're new creatures in Christ Jesus, the Spirit of God has moved in and is teaching us how to love God the right way. And you know what? God loves that. I'm going to read one more and we'll go to the house. All right? Verse 21. Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be un unpunished. You know, Individually, there ain't, there ain't a man on earth strong enough to resist God. I mean, and and so and anybody's foolish to think they can, you know. And if you put all the men in the world together collectively, all of mankind couldn't do nothing about it if they wanted to. You know, there was once before when all man tried to do that. Y'all remember that? Happened way back young. After the flood, all men got together. Bible says in Genesis 11, 1, it says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven. And let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, They began to, begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord there did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad from all, upon the face of all the earth. Again, they all came together and said, hey, we go, we'll, build, we'll build that tower. Let us make for us a name. In other words, we don't want to have God's name. We don't want to bear his name. We'll have our own name, and we're going to build a tower so high he can't drown us this time. We're going to build a tower so high to reach up toward heaven. We'll get above all the flood waters, and it won't ever happen again. I bet you that. God said, I'll fix your wagon. I'm going to make it where you can't even talk to that guy right next to you, and he can't talk to the guy next to him. And so all the people went, went into all the world. That's where all the nations of the earth came from. And God called Abram out of the land of Ur over there in Babylon, called him out for a people unto himself. But again, all the people of earth, they thought they could they thought they could do something against God. The Bible says, though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished. 
<clears throat> ain't nothing anybody can do. They might as well they might as well quit trying to fight God. You know, the easiest way to to win is just quit fighting and surrender. And I know they know you in here tonight fighting God. I'm not saying that, but they might be somebody in here listening to me that that's tuned into us, and their life has been one big battle against God. Quit fighting God. Turn yourself over to Him. Let Him have you. Turn him, turn yourself over to Him. Come to Him and, and and repent and ask Jesus to save your soul. He'll wash you clean and He'll make you a child of God. And I guarantee you, you'll never regret it. That's for sure. But the Bible says you, the wicked shall not be unpunished. There's hell waiting on the one who doesn't know Christ. But the Bible says, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. You know, God God's blessing is not just on his people. But God promises not only will I bless will I bless my children, but my blessing extends to their children. You know, until they get out of your house. You're, you're blessing them. But if they're residing under your roof, God talks about that about if the if the if the husband is saved, then the wife is is protected because she's she's in the house with the husband. The children are are, are they're, they're protected. God's protection, His favor is on them because again they're the child of a righteous man, a righteous woman. <clears throat> what a blessing it is, grow up in a Christian home. You got God's favor on you, even though you don't know it. About all I got this this evening, <clears throat> but uh, but praise God, I'm thankful I'm saved tonight. I'm th- I'm thankful tonight that my my children have grown up hearing the word of God preached, and I can't steer their lives at this point. They're grown, but I pray for them, and they know what's right. And uh, and if your children ain't where they ought to be, pray for them. You've raised them right. You've done everything you know to do, and God's favor has been on them because of you. Listen, you just need to keep lifting them up in prayer. God's gonna bring them back to it. Just gotta keep praying for them. Let's stand together. Let's let's stand together. Let's ask God to bless us. As we get out of here tonight, I thought I was going to get to a jewel of gold and a swine snout, snout and a fair woman tonight, but I come right up to it. And we'll, we'll jump on that one next week. Amen. Praise God. It's good to be in, in God's house. It's good to see you tonight. And I hope the Lord blesses you the rest of this week. Hope everything goes good. Everybody stays well. Everybody, no animal calamities or nothing. We all just stay in one piece. Let's pray for that. And let's pray for those who have been out and been sick. Let's pray that, that, that God gets them back into his house Sunday, all right, and all the others too. All right, let's go to the Lord in word of prayer tonight. Let's ask God to bless us and bring us back here safe on Sunday. Brother Dan, dismiss us in prayer. Okay.